Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. It's me, Dov from ForcetTimeFootball.com, here with a special European football podcast. Well, I say European football, but really it's just Italian teams playing in Europe. And to help me talk about the week's events, which were quite good for the Italian sides, we've got Vieri Capretta with us. Vieri, how are you? Ciao, everybody. I'm very well after a great. Uh couple of days for Italian football, of course, if you're not an AC Milan fan. Yeah, well, but, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm very well, thanks. Excellent, there we go. Right, so we'll, we'll get stuck straight in because, um, like I say, it was quite a, a good week for the Italian teams, or for most of the Italian teams in Europe anyway. And um, We'll start in Rome um, because this one's quite an easy one to cover. Uh, Roma won 3-0 against Seska Moscow on Tuesday night. Erin Dzeko got two, Cengiz Under got the other. Um, the very this was quite straightforward for Roma, really. Um, at the Olimpico, a great performance from Jekyll and, and relatively easy for them. Well, it was literally Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, the way Roma transformed from Serie A to the Champions League uh, is really one that is very interesting. Number of reasons there, but maybe just the fact that. Uh, you know, they've got a bit more space, uh, more motivation, a full Olimpico. And they just got rid of their opponent so easily, uh, just like they did last time round. And obviously, they're struggling in the league. And one has to ask questions why that is the case. But in terms of just Champions League, let, just like last season, Roma are doing their job fantastically. Yeah, well, luckily, um, obviously, Forza Time Football has people at the games, reporters there. And we had... Alistair McKenzie at the Stadio Olimpico on Tuesday. So I asked him the question, um, how can Roma not replicate this form in the Champions League in Serie A, like you mentioned? Um, it's hard to put a finger, I suppose, on any one particular thing. I mean, there's a couple of things, I suppose, which stand out for me between the 
Champions League and Serie A games that I've seen this season so far with Roma, uh, which has been all of them apart from Spal on Saturday. Um, the, the first thing is, I suppose, the atmosphere around the Champions League game is very different. Um, the numbers Roma are getting through the door for the Champions League games is are, are larger. Tonight they had just over 46,000 in the Olympico, which is obviously some way off the capacity of the stadium. But compared to their usual crowds, which is, you know, struggling to break 40,000 for your, your average Serie A game, um, it's, it's a significant increase. And yeah, there's definitely a sense of these games being a very special occasion, and and I think that Roma and the team seem to respond quite well to those those big nights, those occasions, as we saw last season in the Champions League, with with their the run of home form that obviously helped them get to the semi-finals. Um, so that's one thing. I think the atmosphere increases. The the crowd is a lot more vocal in these games than it is in the Serie A matches, uh, particularly in the games against lower teams where. Quite often, the crowd can become very frustrated um, about the team's performances when when things aren't going their way. And as we saw tonight, you know, sometimes patience can pay off because I mean, it only took half an hour for them to score tonight. Even so, in the first half an hour, um, Siska had a few chances of their own, and, and some fans were getting a bit irritated by that. Um, so I'd definitely say the Champions League atmosphere is one side of things. Uh, the other big thing, though, that uh, literally that comes to mind is, is Edin Dzeko because. His form between Champions League and Serie A is, is so vastly differing this season. Um, as I mentioned in my post-match video, he's he's now scored more than double the amount of goals in the Champions League as he has in the league, and that's just and that's from playing less than half as many games. Um, so he's obviously a guy who's absolutely crucial to how well this Roma team are going to do in any competition because you know there's no real replacement for him. Patrick Schick, opportunities he's got just simply hasn't been up to the task. Um, so they need Dzeko to be at his best and the thing is he has been at his best in these two games against Pilsen and, and Siska. He's got five goals but he's also displayed all those qualities that, that you like to see from him when he's at his best which is the physicality element which he used tonight in the assist to, to win the ball in the air. Um, you know, his clinical finishing, which has been missing quite often this season in Serie A and he showed tonight. Um, his link-up play, it's often been clumsy in a few league games, but tonight again was good. Um, so yeah, I think uh, an on-form Edin Dzeko was making a difference for them between Europe and, and domestic games um, in quite a large way this season. And if they can get him to start finding his, his feet and getting some form in the league, then that'll go a long way to being a solution to their, their problems with consistency that they're having. Okay, so there we have it, right? So that's Roma done. We don't need to talk about that too much. It's relatively easy. Um, let's move on then, because the other... Well, actually, we'll, we'll do Inter first. I, I, I won't do it day by day. We'll do Inter, because they went to Barcelona, to the camp now. Um, I'm put up quite a good fight Vieri um, but obviously it was obviously, it was always going to be the case that Rafinha who replaced Leo Messi in the lineup scored against the team he was with last season and then Jordi Alba uh, he wrapped up the three points for Barcelona um, just what, was it seven minutes to go so I mean this this is from from this Vieri this is what I took that um, Barcelona are better than Inter but Inter can put up a good... They put up a good showing from, of themselves, I thought. 
Well, the truth is, uh, Inter's man of the match was uh, Luke de Jong, who got the late equaliser for PSV Eindhoven against uh, Tottenham. With that result, it didn't really matter too much what Inter did at Barcelona. But um, they did perform fairly decently. And uh, what was important was to win the other games. This was more of a, of a little extra. And Inter are on the right path to get eventually to that level. Let's not forget that even when they won the treble in 2010, they played against Barcelona, of course, uh, in the semifinals, as everyone remembers, but also in the group stage. And they lost 2-0 in the same way at the Camp Nou. So, so uh, are, you know, this... are you saying Inter could go and win the Champions League? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, of little things, uh, recurrent things. Uh, you know, the last time Italy had four teams, uh, Serie A had four teams in the Champions League, it was that season, 2009 <laughs> 2010. So... Uh, you never know, but the truth is, Inter did their job against the uh, PSV and the Tottenham, and um, against Barcelona, they can afford to lose, and it happened. Uh, yeah, well, it was almost as if in this one that Spalletti seemed up resigned to lose, and uh, for a, a kind of notable absence from the Inter team was uh, Stefan de Vrij, who played well in the derby in the weekend and he obviously joined Inter to play in the Champions League and to play in these big games and he was benched for Miranda. I mean, did you see any... Uh, did, did you see the reason for Spalletti doing that or do you think it was just him basically saying, right, we're not going to win this so let's not do anything silly, get players injured or, or, or keep them a bit fresher for the weekend against Lazio? I think it's a, it's a number of reasons. Uh, obviously, rotation is one of them. Uh, the other reason is that Miranda's got a lot of experience in the Champions League. He used to play at Atletico Madrid. He knows how to win at the Camp Nou. It's a number of... of I mean, Miranda isn't exactly the worst, but he's not Ranocchia. He's not <laughs> terrible. And I think there might have been a bit also of a reward for the players who got into to the Champions League last season. Obviously, the Fry joined in summer. So Spalletti, knowing this game was more... Uh, a game of prestige rather than actually trying to get the result. Um, you know, he, he played some of the old guard rather than the new players. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. Right, so that was it. Obviously, everybody, you, you, did you like um, Brozovic's new attempts at scoring or, or, or keeping out free kicks? It was quite ingenious. What was new about that? Well, I've never seen that. We could do a whole, a whole new podcast of an hour of other examples of people who lie down behind. Go on, uh, man. Give, give me an example because I, I might be old and not be able to remember these things, but obviously Come you know them. You know, it happens really often that people, if they don't actually lie down in the way Brozovic did, I think Brozovic was quite spectacular because his was very last minute, but very often uh, you see players, or quite often, uh, who get on their knees right behind the wall to cover that space. It's not the first time. I'll give you examples um, in the future, in the near future. <laughs> there but trust there. me, go, go on YouTube and write in uh, how to stop a low shot and from a free kick, and you'll find more than one example. So it was very social media style of Brozovic. Um, he knows how to do social media. He's epic Brozovic in it all day. Well, I was going to say, it's, his, it's in his style. And uh, yeah, it did save a goal, to be fair, because that was going right in the bottom corner, so it seemed. There you go, right. So there you go, everybody. It was rubbish. It was, happens all the time. Don't worry about it. It was just for the social media. There you go. Right. Yep. Um, back, to, back to Tuesday then. Uh, probably for me, the most impressive or one of the most impressive performances over the Champions League uh, match days was Juventus 
going to Old Trafford to play Manchester United and completely demolishing them. Um, Villarreal was there, so I'll I'll put my two cents in after. But how impressed were you by Juventus? Well, I think um, the main thing there for a team like Juventus is that up until last season, a bit like in what we're saying about Inter now, Juventus were happy to go away to, to bigger teams and uh, kind of just perform decently and not get the result. This time, they are in that... <laughs> the other side, they are the big team against which Manchester United was happy to just perform decently, even at the Old Trafford. So, I mean... It's as impressive as it gets. You're talking about a team that's putting in these regular performances every single time they play in the Champions League. They beat Valencia easily, well, at home against young boys, and then went to Old Trafford. It was only 1-0. It could have been a draw if they were a bit un- uh, more unlucky with that. It could throw. also have been 4-0 as well. But I was going to say, but yeah, their only fault was not, not getting all their chances. But they were absolutely impressive. And I'm going to say this now, unless something weird happens, uh, Juventus will win the Champions League. Oh, there we go. We've got it. We've got it recorded, people. It is in the ether. Vieri Capretta has nailed his uh, colours to the mast. Juventus will win the Champions League. Um, Honestly, it's really difficult to disagree with you because of all the teams in the Champions League, there isn't one that's kind of stood out to me that that is as consistently good at such a high level as Juve. I mean, they played United off the park, I think, midway through the first. I think it was actually the first half ended with Juventus having 70% possession against United at Old Trafford. Um, in terms of the atmosphere as well, all you could hear was uh, the Juve fans, about three, 4,000 of them, that was all you could hear the entire game. United fans were silent for the majority. It, it, it was nowhere near kind of the United-Juventus battles of, let's say, 1999, where they, they had two fantastic games against each other. Um, the, the, this is clearly a team that is on the ascendancy in Juve and a team that's reaching its peak and a, and a team like United that are nowhere near uh, where you'd expect them to be. Uh, and it, it was it was brittle. Well, for a Juve fan and, and for a fan of Italian football, it's just amazing to watch Juventus go there with such swagger. Um, Pjanic was fantastic. Dybala as well, brilliant. And and Chesney had nothing to do. And for, for, for I think for most of the game really had absolutely nothing to do because like Josie Mourinho said afterwards, which I thought was a good wee line, Chiellini and, and Berucci should go to Harvard and teach classes in defence because you couldn't get through them. They were so, so impressive. Um, so we love Juve. We love Juve and how amazing they've done there. But I spoke to Chris Vokes, a former um, patron of this parish, uh, who is now Goal.com's Manchester United correspondent, to get his take on the game at Old Trafford. So, Chris, obviously, you've watched a lot of Juve over the years. Juventus came to Old Trafford and made it like their own home. Pretty much. Uh, got a bit teary-eyed of them, but. <laughs> Just thinking about all the Juve games I'd seen in the past. Um, one of the more impressive performances I've seen from them in all that time, really. The way they use the ball so much better than Man United. Um, the way that they press so much better than United. And when they lost the ball, the way that they went and got it back almost immediately. Um, 
Why, why, why are United so bad though? Because obviously <laughs> this is the, like this is a great club. Uh, Dybala has called them a historic club. Jose said in his press conference about the Juve are one of the best teams. Why are United not there? Well, you, you'll know yourself from 2008 to 2010 <laughs> what he was like at Inter, um, and you know Jose, his his first reaction is always to go back to the defensive, and when he knows that his side are second best, it's always right, well, how do we sit back and contain and take our chances if we get any? Um, he did exactly the same against Man City here last season and they lost 2-1 and got absolutely hammered for the most part. It just felt like the same again tonight. Yeah, and obviously, like, that's, I think it's probably the first time you've seen UV. what well, is the first time you've seen UV in the flesh this season. Who, who impressed you the most for them? I thought Dybala was fantastic for a good 20, 30 minutes. It, he just kept finding space even just before the goal when he picked up the ball got off the back of Nemanja Matic he'd spotted Quadrado on the right and he seemed to already know what his next move was going to be even before he passed the ball played out to Quadrado and then he was into that space at the near post nearly got on the end of it with the header and then he just seemed to be able to go into that same space again partly because I thought United were slight but partly just because of the way that he's so elusive he glides around and um you know, as a bit of a Palermo fan from back in the day, um, I remember watching him in a, in a Palermo shirt. He's a completely different class player now. Yes, and, and Miralem Pjanic as well. He ran the show for Juve from the middle of the park. Mata didn't even get a chance against him. And Paul Pogba, the guy that Juve sold, was again overshadowed by an ex-teammate. Yeah, completely. And the, the thing that I loved watching Pjanic was you know you, you can see some defensive midfielders who almost seem to think right it's my job to now go and do this Pjanic looks like he loves doing it it's, it's a bit like <laughs> you know Mourinho said afterwards about um, Benucci and Chiell- Mr Benucci and Mr Chiellini could uh, go to Harvard and do classes on how to defend well they love just going out and, and hunting the ball down and he's exactly the same but obviously from a slightly more um, advanced position and, and just the way that he then uses the ball it's fantastic a little bit of a reminder not quite the same level I'd say but a little bit of a reminder of what Andrea Pirlo used to do for Pogba back in the day okay so there we go right and then last but by no means least in terms of the Champions League uh, we have PSG against Napoli Vieri this one finished 2-2 right however twice Napoli took the lead and it took a 90th minute Di Maria goal to get that point for PSG. And this was at the Parc des Princes in Paris. And what a, what a result and what a performance by Napoli. This is something that we would never have expected of them uh, in previous years. But Ancelotti is doing the business. I think they're more impressive than, than Juventus, considering their opponents and where they were coming from. When you, Obviously, Juve, you're talking about a team that's done two finals in the past three years, that bought Cristiano Ronaldo in the summer. You almost expect them to do that well. Napoli have been so dominant second game in a row. It was a bit more balanced against Liverpool, against Paris Saint-Germain. Um, funny enough, they didn't win it, but they were, you know, completely in control for most of the game, making the most, obviously, tactically of a team. Paris Saint-Germain is so unbalanced up front, essentially has no midfield, and uh, Napoli were there to kind of exploit that and expose them uh, not just on the counter but literally whenever they got the chance they were so good at controlling that possession with Mertens and Insigne coming back and playing with the midfielders they had plenty of chances uh, hit the woodwork scored twice 
and it, it took a, a Di Maria super goal to save Paris Saint-Germain. And it's a pity for, for Napoli because a victory away uh, could have really made a difference. A draw is an important result, keeps them in the game to obviously qualify. But, uh, you know, Paris Saint-Germain are the kind of team that can go to the San Paolo and get a victory as well because their firepower is insane. So it is a bit of a disappointment for Napoli to not have gotten the three points. But for me, that was the most impressive performance um, of this round in the Champions League. Well, like saying that, I got uh, one of the players who is increasingly impressing me this season at Napoli, who was frozen out last year, was Maksimovic. Again, he started it right back and again, he was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. It's that uh, he's he adds that extra protection um, to Ancelotti's 4-4-2 and he's not started any Serie A game but in the Champions League Ancelotti likes to have that kind of three slash four man defense with Maksimovic that can act as a, as a right back and as an added central defender and he's been great he's been great you know got rid of uh, of whoever came past them uh, that way be it the likes of Mbappe Neymar Cavani so we're talking really big names and that's the prime example of how good Ancelotti has been at rotating the team and making the most uh, of every single member of the squad and obviously putting players in their position and being able to get the most out of each single one, which is the main difference uh, to Maurizio Sarri last year. Mm, indeed, right. So obviously that result um, leaves Napoli in second place. They're a point behind Liverpool, who've got six points in, and PSG are a further point behind them. Um, group B, which is um, Barcelona and Inter, top that group, and Barcelona nine, Inter six, then Tottenham and PSV on one each. So it's looking good for Inter there. Um, the other Italian teams, Roma and Real Madrid, uh, in Group G, both on six points, CSKA Moscow on four in third place, and then Juve. Three from three, which leaves them nine points. First place in Group H with Man United on four in second place. So, to be honest, all the Italian teams are looking pretty pretty well placed um, at the halfway stage of the Champions League. I think the only one that there's maybe some question marks about is Napoli. But with the results against PSG and Liverpool so far, I mean, the win at San Paolo and then a draw away to PSG, then Napoli look well positioned to go through. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, they are in the best possible uh, position or, or almost the best would have been the best possible if they had won that game against the Red Star in the first round. And that's the main regret, I think, for Ancelotti and his men. But considering what people thought at the time of the draw, you know, Napoli was expected to be now perhaps on three points, beating Red Star and then losing against Liverpool uh, and PSG. But they're obviously, they got a win against Liverpool and they got a draw against PSG and would have deserved even more. So yes, um, Napoli are the ones in the the most unlikely to make it through out of the Italian teams, but they're still in a better position compared to what we expected um, when the draw came out. Indeed, right. Let's let's move on then. Europa League time, the the the, the really good club competition. Um, we'll quickly do Lazio because this this is a bit more straightforward, Vieri, because uh, they went to Marseille, put on a great performance, one three one, Wallace and. Caicedo and then Marusic in the 90th minute. Dimitri Payet got what was essentially a consolation goal on 86 minutes. Um, Lazio, for all their inconsistencies, they went to Marseille. The atmosphere there is obviously one of, it's very hostile, shall we say. They went there and bossed it and got a, a really, really impressive win. Yeah, I was really impressed by Lazio because obviously you're talking about Marseille, who were finalists last season. And because Lazio had suffered very much against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt in the previous round in the Europa League, so a victory was really important to them, even psychologically. It wasn't an easy game, going in knowing you've only got one result, essentially. And they dominated from beginning to end. It was one of the best games for, for Lazio this season. And they, you know, when you've got players like Milinkovic, Savic, Immobile, um, putting in those performances at top level, Lazio are a very good side. Uh, we we know that uh, watching Serie A every week. Uh, I was very impressed, and with this victory, they put themselves in the position to make it to the next round. Mm, you know, you know things are bad for your team when uh, Caicedo is scoring goals for Lazio because he's a terrible, terrible striker, um, and, and him <laughs> getting on the score sheet I think is a bit embarrassing for for Marseille. But well done, Lazio! A great, great performance, great result, and that leaves them. Uh, on six points behind Eintracht Frankfurt, who are three for three on nine points at the top. So, again, well-placed. And obviously, the big shock of the Europa League round, um, from an Italian perspective at least, was Real Betis coming to the San Siro to play Milan and going 2-0 up and then eventually winning 2-1. Uh, uh, Tony Sanabria scored after half an hour. Uh, Lo Celso got a beautiful goal on 55 minutes. Cutrone pulled one back with seven minutes left, and then Samu Castellejo decided to be a crazy wee person and get himself sent off. Uh, I can't remember who he kicked, but he just swiped somebody. just couldn't be bothered anymore, 90th minute. And then that was it. <clears throat> Ten men for Milan. More question marks over Gattuso. I mean, what did you what did you think of this performance? I, again, I, FIF hashtag at the games. I'll, I'll tell you what I thought in a minute. It was uh, a reflection of how Milan came out of the derby. 
to play that badly against Inter and not even get that one point that seemed like was was in the bag towards the end of the game uh, obviously leaves a team that is psychologically destroyed and that showed against Betis. And Betis aren't a bad side. They're very good at uh, possession. They're very technical and they dominated from beginning to end at the San Siro. But you could see, you know, in the final minutes, I saw that slight reaction from AC Milan. Castillejo hit the post, obviously, before being mm. sent off. Uh, there was a goal by Cutrone. So the team, obviously, Milan haven't got a great squad. The players aren't great. Gattuso still has to demonstrate a lot as a coach. But they're a lot better than what they've been against Inter and Betis. So there is a psychological and mentality side to it, whereby they kind of just you know, let go after that result against Inter. And now they really, really need that reaction as soon as possible because we were talking, uh, you know, in the press after the game, people were already saying that Gattuso is at risk of being sacked. So it's a very difficult moment for Milan. And it showed against um, against Betis, who, for me, I'd never seen them play this season before. I was impressed by them as well, obviously. Well, that's the weird thing, Vieri, because... Um... Obviously, I've seen Betis a few times uh, this season, and they're really, really boring to watch. Like they, they're, they're they're rubbish essentially in terms of entertainment. However, they came to the San Siro and absolutely bossed it. It was like Lo Celso, I thought, well, he scored a great goal, and he owned the midfield. Really, really, kind of, he was everywhere, kind of attacking, defending. He was, he was brilliant. Um, and 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 when they did kind of go on counterattacks, I mean, they should have had another two or three goals with it, with the chances that they missed as well. And I think that's more worrying from from Milan's point of view is that um, some people have said that, and I'm one of them, that that, that Gattuso should change his formation. But the one kind of constant in that formation is a back four, and the back four was picked apart again by Betis almost at will. Um, and and like you say, that kind of um, reaction when Cotroni came on and scored, it was too little too late. I mean, before then, they were just, they didn't look like they knew what they were doing, if I'm being perfectly honest. It, it looks like there, there are too many players there who A, aren't good enough, and B, are playing in a system that doesn't really fully exploit their abilities. And I think that's something Gattuso needs to realise, which apparently he might be changing the formation for uh, for Sunday's game against Sampdoria. But I think that's, uh, that, that's maybe one of the reasons why Gattuso's at risk, because he keeps trying this 4-3-3 and it's not working. Um, the, he's got players for a different formation. I think, the, but the, they're just not good enough, as you said, yeah. as well. I think the system is obviously one of the reasons... The fact that they, the, the psychological backlash of losing the derby is another one. But I mean, Gonzalo Higuain is, is a prime example because he's obviously the main man up front. But he is someone who is very fragile, fragile uh, psychologically. Mm. He's now over 30 years old, so he's not going to really change. He's always been a bit fragile when it comes to big moments. And you saw that against Betis. He missed a great chance and he just... Started a fight, basically. Yeah. <laughs> he was non-existent in the, in the derby, and if he is, he's the one who needs to make a difference for Milan, not just technically, but also in terms of charisma. If he lets go, then inevitably the whole team will just kind of say, "Well, you know, what are we doing here?" Well, that's the thing. I I, can't, I, can't, I see what you're saying. I don't entirely agree with that. Can it all be in his fault? Because he's a striker who needs help. 
he needs Suso, he needs Castillejo, he needs somebody to give him balls in good areas and basically the players behind him don't do that. So obviously he gets frustrated and starts trying to start fights with everybody that, that he can find. But he shouldn't He shouldn't get frustrated, come on. He's... Right, well, yeah, that's what he's like, Vieira. You know that's what he's like. He gets angry. I know, things I'm way. saying it's something that doesn't go in his favour and never has. He was always like this at Napoli. He was a bit nicer to his teammates at, at Juventus for obvious reasons. Yeah, exactly. And in terms of like the fragile mentality, that was Gattuso touched on that after the game as well. And he said that he saw... Uh, I think it was a frightened and fragile uh, Milan team. So, like, he, he could obviously see that there, there's something there. Um, whether or not he'll be around long enough to fix it is another problem because obviously all the talk in the press is Roberto Donadoni coming in, which... It's, it's, almost, it's like having 12 of one thing and half a dozen of the other. Like, Donadoni's not going to come in and make this Milan team Champions League contenders. Donadoni is going to do exactly the same as Gattuso's doing, let's be honest. Yeah, I think there's only one name that could really change things, and that's Antonio Conte, who's uh, someone who's proved to work extremely well with um, average players. He is someone that really lifts the lev- level of a, of a squad. Hmm. Donadoni is a good manager, um, a good coach. He's done. He's got some decent results uh, on his CV and probably would deserve a chance on uh, with a big side again. Obviously, he's coached Napoli in the past and uh, the Azzurri. But what he's shown in, in, in past seasons uh, say that he could probably coach a different Milan side. But for these players, I think you need someone like like Conte. Hmm. There you go. So whether that happens or not remains to be seen. Highly doubtful, though. Right, there we are. That is the uh, FAF European roundup done uh, let us know what you think leave comments leave tweets you know the jazz hashtag FIF at the games um, be sure obviously to, to, to get on the website as well where you get all the reaction ratings which you can vote on as well um, and yeah that's that's pretty much it Vieri uh, there's nothing left for me to say other than Arrivederci
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.